And good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Janice M. and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, November the 27th, 2015. And today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 8 in the chapter Bill's Story. Uh, we will beginning we will be, be beginning on the third paragraph near the end of that bleak day. Now today's readers are for the 12 steps is Jane B for the 12 traditions Anita L. Our readers of the text today are Iris G, Charles H, and Kathleen W. The share ID, which is a four-digit number for yesterday, which was Thursday, 11-26-2015, is, was, is, 8225. That's 8225. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jane B. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Jane B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Minnesota. Uh, step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for the opportunity for service, and I pass. And thank you, Jane B. I will now ask Anita L. to please read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that I pass. And thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. 
Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 8, and we're going to begin on the third paragraph, which begins near the end of that bleak day through two paragraphs, ending with drinkers are like that, and we'll get our comments ready for both paragraphs. Our first reader, please, I ask Iris G. to begin reading, please. Hi, this is Iris G. Recovered from New York. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. With a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. He was sober. It was years since I could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he had been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wondered how he had escaped. Of course, he would have dinner and that I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of utility. The very thing, an oasis. Drinkers are like that. So with Thanksgiving yesterday, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, the holidays and uh, where I was and where I am today. Um, and just really is more of a message of hope for others that may be on the line today that maybe, you know, had gotten into the food yesterday. And it was really two years ago, um, right before I had come to Vision, I had been at the, uh, you know, at Thanksgiving and, um you know, I remember saying, because I'd been absent on and off, and I remember saying, well, I was going to eat a certain food. And my sister looked at me and she said, you are? I said, yeah. You know, and then before long, I was into everything. And everything became about, you know, how I was going to get it home, you know, whose house I was going to drop it off at. But then, of course, you know, I ended up eating the whole thing. Um, and what I can say today is that, you know, yesterday I went and, um you know, the same foods, a lot of the same foods were there. And there was, I was totally in a, a place of neutrality. And that was such a miracle. I mean, I have to say that all those foods, you know, all homemade and, and you know, that had tempted me and, you know, like, you know, had got me into that place, that mental obsession yesterday were something to me as the vegetables that were there. And that was totally a miracle. And I have to say that, you know, that was only because of the steps and only because of what God had done to me. Um, and also when it says here that, um, you know, his coming was an oasis in the dreary desert of futility, that, you know, I think that when you spend your life in the food and in this disease, that, that is the only relief you can think of that, you know, I'm going to have the food, I'm going to eat the food and eat all the food. And then, and then, you know, you just want to die. And that, you know, there is another way, there is another way and you can get out of this. And I mean, yesterday I just made myself a service to the people there. 
you know, I did all the dishes, I served the food, and um, so I just want to say to everybody there that the holidays are really hard, but you can get abstinent today, and um, if you work these steps and give your life to God, I mean, this food, you can be at peace. Thank you. I pass. Okay, thank you, Iris G. Um, just a reminder that if you're going to comment, we'd like you to comment on what was read for approximately uh, three minutes, and that's on paragraph three and four on page eight. Who would like to comment now on those two paragraphs? This is Bella. Can I share? I hear Bella. Larry. Larry. I hear Larry. AJ. Larry. I hear AJ M. Sarah Lady. W. I'm sorry, who was that? Sarah? Yes. Thank you, Sarah Lady. B. Okay. Sarah W. Sarah W. Okay, Sarah W. And I think I heard Elaine B. And we're going to go with that group to begin. Okay, Bella G. You're up. Allergy. Press star one. Maybe Belle is having trouble with her line. Maybe I hope that's the noise. Oh, I am sorry. Thank okay, you. Good. You're here. Good. Go ahead, Bella. Thank you. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line with a certain satisfaction. Oh, how I remember those days when, when I was into the food. This was my feeling with a certain satisfaction. My life was a war. I was in a war. I was, and I felt that I am all the time a loser. I was in a war with my parents that I always said, oh, you see, you never can do the diet. You never can... I keep the, diet, the, the weight off. I was with a war with my friends. I was with a war with the whole entire world. And I wanted so much to be the winner. And this is when I, and my solution was to run away from this war. So I, I found myself again in the food. And when I was in a food, I felt like, a certain satisfaction, like, you see, now I will be the winner because the food was the only thing that was, that listened to me. The food was the only thing that never say nothing, that never say no to me. The food was my friend. And only with the food, I felt, oh, I am a winner. It was only a kind of, a thought of a second because Right after that first compulsive bite, I was again in a war, in a war with myself, with the world, with, with everybody, with everything. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And the, the, the idea that I have the control only brought me again and again that I am losing the control. Thank you, God, I am not there anymore. I am now connected to a loving, accepting power, and I don't have to be in a war anymore. I don't have to prove that I am a winner. I am a winner because of that connection with my higher power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. 
Okay, Larry Kay, you're up. Good morning, Janice. Larry Kay, Recovered uh, Compostable Reader. So, um, you know, Bill's reflecting back, uh, you know, there was enough gin con uh, concealed about the house. Um, you know, I, I sure remember thinking the way Bill thought and, and, and I believe uh, probably feeling the way he felt. You know, um, I, I never thought, uh, you know, the Pop-Tarts or the, you know, the other alcoholic foods were in charge, uh, but they were, you know, surely they, they served as a power greater than myself at that time. And, and how could I deny that I, I, you know, I worshiped at the altar of, of these foods. And, you know, I might've tried to convince myself that, uh, that I never had to conceal my binge foods in secret hiding places about the house. You know, I'm not that bad. Uh, you know, maybe I don't have a, a progressive illness like Bill, but, but if I examined it further, what I realized is, you know, in 2015, let's say, you know, our alcoholic foods are, are more abundantly available. And, you know, I'm within seconds of, of a legal crack house, you know. Uh, I don't have to get out of my car even. I've got probably 10 uh, uh, dealers within a couple of miles of my home where I can, I can pull up to a menu board of my, my favorite drugs and place my order through a microphone and pay with my debit card. And can you imagine, uh, you know, they, they hand me as much as I want through the drive through window. And best of all, nobody even thinks this, uh, this transaction is abnormal, you know, and, and, and you get this a lot of times. I'll just get in my, you know, uh, get my drugs delivered directly to my home. You know, it's pretty cool. I can even, you know, place the order online. See, Bill wondered whether he dared hide a bottle of gin near the head of his bed because, you know, he would need it before daylight. Well, heck, I mean, I mean, we don't have an accessibility issue in 2015. Most of us do not. And Bill wouldn't be hiding stuff if he had, uh, you know, the Internet and uh, drive throughs and, uh, you know, 30-minute delivery times. You know, some of us are on this line this morning hoping that merely by being here we'll get sprinkled with the, the pixie dust of recovery. And we won't even open the refrigerator door, you know, where that pumpkin pie, you know, magically flied off the shelf and it flung itself down my throat. I didn't pick it up. See, remember, we have no mental defense against that, that first compulsive bite. The steps are actions, and this process is designed to be done, not contemplated. Contemplated will get me killed. If you do it, you're promised to get a result. And, you know, I might suggest to you that you might even like the outcome of that result. I, I know that I did, but it's a, it's a, it's a program for, for people who do it. Okay, with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Janice. Well, thank you, Larry Kay. And uh, we're going to comment, if you wish, on two paragraphs um, or one. Um, AJM, please, it's your turn. Good morning. This is AJM in North Carolina. And um, what jumped out at me in this reading was the hiding a bottle of gin near the head of the bed because he would need it before daylight and it gave me pause to reflect on how long it's been now since I've had a binge after midnight and um, I haven't talked a lot, haven't shared a lot on the vision line about my history but my history includes binges Anytime after 8 in the evening, I now no longer eat after 8 in the evening. 
and have not for at least a year and a half, and that is an absolute miracle. But just reading this paragraph, I so understand the need to make sure the substance was there because I was going to need it. I would wake up at 2 in the morning, and the only way I could get back to sleep would be to eat, or at least that's the way my mind worked. That's what I had convinced myself was a fact, that I needed to have a full stomach so I could sleep like a baby. And, of course, I didn't sleep like a baby, and I woke up because I was full of all kinds of poison, needing more poison. And the hiding it around the house, he says, you know, um, there was enough gin concealed about the house. I had stuff hidden all over the house, had my favorite hiding places, and a real panic would occur if I went to one of those hiding places and what I thought I had stashed wasn't there. That happened many, many, many times. But the thing that, um, that really came to me the most in the reading today was the thing about him knowing that he would need it before daylight and how many times I went to bed confident, secure, knowing that there was something hidden that I could get to. And, of course, no one else would ever see me eating it. I would eat it after everyone else was sound asleep. And... um so I'm, I'm aware, once again, of my own recovery and how incredibly wonderful it is. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you, AJM. Okay, Sarah W. You're up. Good morning, Janice. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Good morning, my friends. Um, I am really grateful to be a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, you know, I met my daughters in um, Wisconsin, and um, one of my granddaughters has a huge problem with food, and we bought some donuts, and they're sitting right next to me in my room to prevent her from getting into them so that they can have them in the morning, you know, the kids can have them in the morning. And I was thinking to myself, if this had been, you know, years ago, uh, yeah, there wouldn't have been one left. No way. And I was just thinking about the um, the sadness uh, that I had in the in the when I was active in my addiction um, and the loneliness and the um, the inability for me to have honesty in my life in any way, shape, or form. Um, and I have so much compassion for that person because, you know, just totally stripped of any kind of, um, you know, self, self-esteem self or confidence in, in myself, you know, just really such help, self-hatred. And, um, you know, in reading this, you know, he's, he's fantasizing and thinking about, you know, the, the past um, in a way, but, you know, he also... Um, has no thought whatsoever about anything else in his life um, that has suffered. You know, just a paragraph before, at the very end, he was talking about, you know, the fact that 
you know, in his recovered state, he would know this beautiful happiness, peace, and usefulness in a way of life. And now he's, you know, near the end of that bleak November, and here we are, near the end of the of November. And, you know, he's sitting there drinking in the kitchen. I'm sure his wife's at work, and, you know, here he is, you know. What a way to live. And, and now today, what a way to live. You know, what a way to live. You know, I can turn any sentence into a positive if I choose to. What a way to live that this was. Not a very good way. And the thing is, I had to realize in my heart that my way just did not work. It was not working. And, you know, the thing I thought was at some point, someday I could eat like a normal person. And that's what kept getting me in trouble. Someday I could do it. And I just can't. You know, when when all that stuff came out yesterday and, you know, my daughter had made it with her boyfriend, you know, I said, no, thank you. And it was not a big deal. You know, I don't have to feel like I have to take care of someone else's feelings when I say no about something to preserve my sanity. And I think that's one of the big parts that I, you know, I need to be true to myself and honor myself enough to say, you know, I can't take this kind of poison into myself. And I've had some beautiful, beautiful um, healing moments with my daughter and my grandchildren. And it's not about me. You know, that's the thing. What I Thank you very much for the reminder. It's not about me and what I can get. It really isn't. It's what I can bring. What I can bring. I get to be in this program. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah W. Elaine B., it is your turn. Elaine, press star one to unmute. Was it Elaine B.? Perhaps it wasn't. Um, And if she comes back, who would like to share on what was read at this time? Stacey T. Melissa C. Melissa. Kim G. Kim G. Vasa. I heard Vasa. Kim G. Vasa. Oh. Reva P. All right. I heard somebody before Reva. Who was that? Lynn S. Okay. Let's go with those five. We'll start with Stacy T. Please. Good morning. My name is Stacy T. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater from Cleveland. Thank you so much for your service, Kathy. And I wanted to relate to um, a couple of pieces. The first was just the statement that's in italics, which was, he was sober. And then moving to um, undermine his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. And so my understanding here is that Bill knows about the problem. And so here's Ebby coming over, and he's sober. Um, And I know what it's been like for me. Um, to be as unmindful and selfish and self-centered as Bill has been when perhaps a a friend would come over um, or we'd get together somewhere and they would say that they uh, had put down a certain substance, let's say a food item. And I would hope upon hope that if if I didn't order what they did, that maybe they would join me um, in picking up again. And I sometimes had 
personal regard for, well, how did they get sober? And there was a part of me that wanted to know what they did to get it. But I, even if they had told me in a really complete, concise way, I would have been unwilling, I had been unwilling to yield to that because I had no spiritual um, safety net. Um, I was certainly propelled just on self-will alone. And the piece that really um, is so very true of this addiction for me is the self-centeredness, the self-assuredness, the cockiness, and the gluttony. And uh, I care little of what others think when I am determined and bound with the disease driving the wheel to tell me that I'm going to eat uh, to get beyond whatever it is that I'm not willing to to fill. And we're going to see that Bill is going to give up some of his self um, and that will that goes with it. And I wanted to just share about that. Thank you so much, and I pass. And thank you, Stacy T. Melissa C., it is your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what really jumped out at me from this reading um, is he's, you know, sitting in the house um, in a perfect um, binge position. And, um, you know, and I was thinking about my own times that I would be, um, it was a perfect binge situation. House was empty. You know, family wasn't home or they were asleep. I I was comforted by knowing um, I had enough that was going to get me through not only what I was eating at the moment, but, you know, the truth is is that I knew um, it wasn't going to just be that moment of eating. It was going to have to be the rest of the day. Um, And so I would get comforted by knowing um, that I was going to have enough, you know. And that's been... um, the hell of this addiction for me is that, um, you know, I don't think I, I enjoyed the actual eating for so long because as it's going in my mouth, I'm worried about having enough the next bite. So that even as I was chewing, um, I was focused on the getting more and, um, you know, and, like yesterday, um, you know, at Thanksgiving, it's so comforting to know that what's on my plate is exactly enough. And, um, you know, and so having, for me, really strict parameters around what I eat um, actually allows me to chew and enjoy what's on my plate because there is no more afterwards. Um, and so, you know, yesterday when I went to Thanksgiving, I knew it was going to be dinner. Um, and so I ate my lunch before I went, you know, and, um, and so when I first got to the house, I wasn't hungry. Um, so I ate my dinner, like, you know, I didn't eat the other stuff, the munching all day. And when I made my plate, I was done. And, um, you know, and then I think about how, um, Bill's friend calling him, um, and how many times I've had friends who I saw that, wow, they lost weight. I wonder how they did it. But please don't continue to be dieting when you're with me and I'm binging. Um, You know, not really wanting to be in their company. They were being what I thought was good. Um, And uh, thank you. That's what I wanted to share today with that I pass. And thank you, Melissa C. And thank everyone for watching the time. Kim G., it is your turn. 
Good morning, Janice. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I am trying to set my timer right now. Um, here we go. Okay, so uh, with a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. You know, it's so ironic we're reading this the day after Thanksgiving, because I have to tell you, you know, we called this today Black Friday, but I really, <laughs> this bleak November and Black Friday are very similar to me, because my worst binging was not on Thanksgiving. It was on, it was on the day after Thanksgiving, because I try to be good on that day in front of people. And today there was a certain satisfaction if there was enough leftovers that I could actually eat the way I wasn't able to eat on Thanksgiving Day. You know, and as we transition here from step one to step two, because step one is pages one through eight, and step two is pages one, eight through um, 12, you know, we saw this beautiful idea of step one here. So why doesn't he stop? I mean, in step one when you stop eating, you know, but that he at this point doesn't know there's a solution. So we're going to ask ourselves, and we asked ourselves in in pages one through eight, did we eat like Bill ate? Did we feel like Bill felt? Did we think like Bill sank? In steps 8 through 12, the way I was instructed was to ask what my prejudices are. What are my prejudices against God or a higher power? What are my prejudices against religion versus spirituality? And a big one for me after 17 years in OA was what were my prejudices about Overeaters Anonymous, about these 12 steps? You know, I had to ask myself, what did I understand about the fellowship? versus the program of recovery because there's a big difference unfortunately in a lot of rooms and i had to look at what those prejudices are i'm just going to end with this when you know the part was there i um how did he escape and one of the things i had to accept one of my prejudices was reading the big book and attending big book meetings would give me a lot of knowledge but what would help me escape was actually doing what the big book said because doing what the big book said gave me freedom just reading the big book and attending big book meetings only gave me knowledge. And in my experience, it was more painful to have that knowledge as I continued to binge. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Kim G. Okay, Vasa O, please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Janice, for your service. And I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And I can relate so much with the second. I mean, I can relate with everything in this book, but we are on this uh, sharing on this few, few paragraphs, but anyways, um, Bill's uh, friend, Abby, was sober, and he went to visit him, and that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, I had a friend that we had been, you know, friends for a while, and we were, you know, like always struggling with the food addiction, and I hadn't seen her for a couple of years, and I remember calling her, and she hardly ever returned my phone calls. And I remember being really angry and frustrated with her. Her husband would say to me, oh, she's gone to a meeting. I said, oh, my goodness, this woman must be so very popular, you know. She's gone to a meeting, to a meeting. So finally, she did walk through my kitchen without even calling, you know. And when I saw her, I was just amazed, you know. I wondered how, what had happened to her, you know. And she looked wonderful. She had the glossy eyes and... And I was, I said, I knew there was a, there was something there, you know. And I had asked her, I said, oh my God, you look great. How are you doing? And she introduced me. She 12-stepped me with the, with the program, you know. And uh, I was just so amazed. You know, after, you know, again, 
I had no defense from my first bite by then, by that time. Um, there were no more tomorrows left. Oh, there's no more uh, someday I will be able to conquer this addiction, and I tried to conquer it for many, many years by myself, by my will, and other people tried to help me. I could not do it, you know. And she had won my confidence, you know. She said, Vasa, you need to find a power greater than yourself. You know, you need to surrender. That's step three, you know. And I just was so ready and willing at that time, you know. I said, I just don't want to die. I will do whatever you tell me to do, you know. And uh, I was ready and I was willing. You know, I did the first three steps, you know, because I had enough pain and suffering. And yesterday was Thanksgiving, and I had a beautiful abstinence day. I cooked and I baked. And I was very neutral. It was around the food. And some of, somebody said to me, how can you resist this, you know? Yeah, God is helping me to resist this program, the steps, you know. I don't want to die, you know. I don't want to die. And what a big difference from the first year I went through, the, through, uh, through Thanksgiving was torture for me and to where I was yesterday. Thank you for letting me share, and I passed. And thank you, Vasa. Oh, Lynn S., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Lynn S. from Toronto, Canada. I was just sitting here, and the word oasis really spoke to me in the desert of futility, and it reminded me of that, just that terrible position of being in where you're binging and you cannot stop no matter what. And it is a desert of futility because often there isn't even really any joy in it, but you're just doing it. But then your eating buddy is coming. Oh, my God, this is going to be so wonderful now because this is the oasis. I'm going to be able to eat openly with my eating buddy. And there's going to be that fun and that camaraderie and all, you know, all that joy as we eat the food together. And then just the word oasis. It's an illusion. It's a delusion. And I just, I know this setup. I've been there so many times before where, where you know, it's, the eating buddy's going to come and, and together it's going to be great. And, and it isn't great. It's an illusion. It's an oasis. And thank you, God, we don't have to live in that delusion anymore. There is a way out. There is recovery. It just struck me so much in a big remember when. With that, I pass. And thank you, Lynn S. Reva P., it is your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Uh, What strikes me in these two paragraphs is I've just read how much um, pain Bill was in, how awful every aspect of his life was, He's had, I think, two treatments for alcoholism. He has all this self-knowledge. He's got all this information. And his mind is consumed, like mine was, with I would say 99% of my mind was focused on what am I going to eat? What do I have in the house? What do I need to get? When am I getting my fix? How am I getting my fix? Or... What am I not going to eat? Let's white-knuckle this. Let's control this. I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Ay, 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 ay. And I get myself into a lot of trouble. Um, 
And I also love the fact, you know, it's so self-centered, but it's so all-consuming. And it shows me the momentum, the power of this disease. If I had any um, thoughts that I could control this, you know, after seeing what he's been through and people have shared how painful it is to listen to this just constant vicious cycle, um, and he's at it again, um, just planning his next binge. And the other thing that struck me is unmindful of his welfare, like, who cares about the other person? I'm planning my dessert when I'm going to the restaurant and I work backwards. Um, I'm thinking about what's going to be served, not how I can be of service to the people there. That's what it's like when I'm in the disease. And, you know, lately I have more social um, opportunities that involve meals. And um, it's such a good reminder that it's not about the food anymore because thank you, God, um, that has been lifted by doing the work um, and filling that spiritual hole, that emptiness, that food substance could never, ever fill. Um, it's such a beautiful way to live, um, and it's good to remember when because I really don't want to go back to that. With that, I pass. And thank you, Reva P. Is there anyone else before we go on? Nessa R. Nessa R. Elaine B. Elaine, oh, Elaine, you came back. Okay. Dorita P. Devorah S. Okay, before Devorah, we heard whom? Dorita P. Dorita. Okay, Dorita P. And we'll have Devorah, and then we'll go on. Go ahead, uh, Nessa. Uh. Good morning. It's such an honor to follow uh, my Toronto bodies. Uh, this is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto. And so Bill has um, liquor concealed all over the house, which means he plans to uh, binge drink in hiding, which is how I ate. I always hit, um, hit to eat my, my very first binge that I remember at age seven. Definitely was uh, done in hiding. All my eating, um, you know, late at night in hiding. And if the remnants of the binge were found out, I would blame it on my kids. Um, you know, they eat and they don't clean up after themselves. My uh, most effective, at least um, for a while, uh, form of controlling my weight, purging, was also in secret. Uh, it's still actually a secret. I've only told, um, I guess, all 300 of you on the line, but uh, my family doesn't know about it. I've never told my husband, never told my closest friends that are not in program. Um, so everything is in hiding, and it's it's such a such a freedom and such um, a gift to not have to hide to eat anymore. Um, it is quite the opposite, you know. I I, I go to many events uh, now that involve meals, and some of them involve buffets. And now um, I still don't eat in public, but not because I'm going to hide to bins, because I eat at home. And I don't apologize for it. I know there's a lot of people in program who feel self-conscious about, you know, eating out of a container, weighing and measuring, you know, checking ingredients, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and they just want to blend in. But I, I don't mind. And when people ask me, oh, why aren't you eating? I just say either I have a lot of food issues and I don't want to impose on my host, or I have lots of allergies, so I just it's easier for me to eat at home. 
and people drop it and they don't question it. And, and, it, and it is so peaceful to show up at a party, at an event, and not be obsessing over the food. When are they going to open the buffet? When are they going to unveil the sweet table? You know, all these things. It's like they don't exist. You know, they might as well, you know, be serving your grass. Um, because, I, you know, it really doesn't call to me. It's not part of my life. It's not part of, of what I do. And I can truly enjoy um, the, the event or view of service of the case may be as appropriate. Um, so from going to from going um, eating in, in hiding to just eating at my house and then enjoying an event, it's such a transformation. It's just such a gift. I, I truly recommend it to everyone. If you're eating in hiding, put down the food, work the steps, because there's a big payoff at the end of the road. Um, with that, I pass. Thank you. And thank you. Elaine B., it is your turn. Thank you so much, Janice. I'm sorry I had to uh, jump off the line for a minute before, and then this is my opportunity. So thank you for the opportunity to share. This is Elaine B. Recovered compulsive overeater on my way back to Massachusetts, and very grateful for this community and to be on the line. And so I identify with so many things here. I came into OA just after I got engaged in 2004 and managed to um, – lose 100 pounds and, uh, you know, get in the rooms, stay in the rooms, and I'm so very grateful for all I learned about how to eat, how to show up, and, uh, you know, I I totally, yeah, I thought I had it. You know, it talks about, I remember going into meetings and hearing over and over again that while I'm sitting in the meeting, my disease is out in the parking lot doing push-ups, cunning, baffling, and powerful. You know, I didn't really believe that because I was doing okay. I was working my tools. I was trying to do the steps, you know, took several years working on turnarounds and um, things like that and uh, qualifying. And, and I was able to, to keep the food off the dieting with group support, uh, maintain that 100-pound weight loss for, for quite some time. But you know what? The obsession of every compulsive overeater is that someday, somehow, they will be able to eat and enjoy their food without repercussion. And I, I have that. I have that working notion that someday I could, someday I would. And you know that, oh, if I add this to my food plan, now that I can, it won't hurt me none. And, you know, a little at a time, weight and measure, you know, low weight gain, 10 pounds a year. I did not know that this disease was going to grab me and drag me right back out into the parking lot and beat the crap out of me. And that's just exactly what happened. When I finally said, that's it, I'm done, I'm going to eat whatever I want, and just me and God will go happily on our way. I had no idea how bad the disease would get, and my husband was serious. It was after nine years, and I was back up 30 pounds and quickly gained another 10 pounds, and I was hiding food all over the house because he didn't want to see it, you know. And, oh, it was terrible. It was really, really bad. And all I could think about was food. I still showed up at meetings, and I'm in the back, and I'm planning my, my next stop, which was <laughs> if I went into those uh, those places to get that 
particular case and I saw other people from my face-to-face meeting there, I would be so mad because I'd have to come up with a whole new strategy. And yet, um, you know what? I knew the, the solution was here. I had always seen the serenity in people who had worked the steps, done the steps, living the steps. And so I, I just said 90 meetings, 90 days. On day 45, in that face-to-face meeting, somebody handed me the number for this line, and I'm so glad I worked the steps because this is the solution. And thank you, Elaine B. Okay, Dorita P. I believe. Hi. Excuse me. Hi. Thank you so much. I'm going to time myself because I'm sometimes long-winded. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm really grateful to be here. I'm a little nervous. I'm always nervous uh, when I share uh, on this line anyway. And I'm just so grateful. Talking about gratitude, I'm going to go into the reading, but I just want to say I'm so grateful for uh, a vision for you um, because um, the people on uh, a vision for you um, are different from the majority of the people I go to my face-to-face meetings with. And, uh, I guess the main difference is that, um, like Ebby, like the reading, like Ebby, uh, his school, his school, uh, school friend, uh, school time friend, or whatever, however they say it, uh, he, um, he, Ebby was on fire. His eyes were sparkling. He was on fire, and uh, the majority of of the people on a vision for you are on fire, and I'm on fire, and. Um, I am really grateful for my fire, and I'm really grateful for um, a vision for you and our first convention, excuse me, a few weeks ago in Virginia Beach. I was was, uh, blessed enough to be able to attend, and um, my fire was kind of like relit because it was was dying out from from, um, just being around some of... uh, the gloom and doom that's in my uh, face-to-face meetings. And I just wanted to comment on um, also this first paragraph about the satisfaction. Uh, a lady shared a, a little while ago about um, the satisfaction on the day after Thanksgiving and what was left, what was the leftovers. And I, I didn't only have that satisfaction on Thanksgiving, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, but I had it every day. Every day I would uh, wake up and think, uh, well, what do, what do I have left from yesterday or last night? And if I didn't have it left in the house, I was just going to, I wasn't going to shower. Uh, at the time, I wasn't working. I wasn't going to shower. I was just going to throw on some clothes and go to my drug, drug house. And I'm just re- really grateful that I don't have to go to my drug house today. I could, um, I could live happy, joyous, and free like the big book promises. And I can also have a life that's beyond my wildest dreams, like OA, uh, like OA promises. So I just want to say I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be alive. And um, thank you, everybody, on the vision for you um, because you saved my life a second time. Uh, thank you. I love you all. Have a good day. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. And thank you, Dorita P. Okay, Deborah Ritz, you're up. Hi, thank you, Janice. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Devora S. Thank you, Janice. From New Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. 
And um, I like that first sentence. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat tr- thinking, drinking, not thinking, drinking in my kitchen. And, you know, I have to say um, that uh, that bleak November, I, I, it, does, it could be any day in November. It could have been a rainy day, a snowy day, um, a sunny day. Any day was a good day for me to be sitting in my kitchen and eating or anywhere in my house. You know, the house is quiet. The kids are up at school. The baby's sleeping. Uh, my husband's at work. You know, that, ah, now I'm alone, and I could just go for all my binge foods because I did hide foods around the house. I was a, we had stuff high up in the closet that no one should know, that my husband shouldn't find it or something in the freezer hidden behind everything behind the vegetables you know that I can that I can have and just that ah of of you know uh, no one's going to find out and this went on for many 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 years and I really you know I you know I had good intentions during the day you know I was going to accomplish a lot you know the vacuum cleaners came out the mop came out uh, you know, I had a lot of in, good, good intentions. I was really going to be, you know, a happy homemaker and, and, and the kids would come home and everything would be in place and the whole thing. But, you know, this disease really got me on a whatever day. It didn't have to be that, that sunny, beautiful day in November. Any day it was, I could not stop. I just could not stop. And, you know, that oasis thinking that, ah, uh, you know, and, 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 and the truth is, you know, my family, my friends, they never knew how, what they're going to see. You know, are they going to see someone who is with life, energy, and, and, and um, could, could, um, could function? Or they're going to open the door and see me there in a state of, of doom and depression and not being able to function because I wore it very, very well. Even though, yes, I was 150 pounds overweight and that you could tell. But also my my whole disposition of 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 um, you know was 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 seen on my face. They could tell right away. Oh, she's been binging, or she's not on a diet, or she's at it again. So you know, everybody was able to tell um, you know how I was doing based on just looking at me. You know, um, and you know, it's a miracle today that you know I can constantly show up no matter what time of the year it is. Um, the snowy day, the sunny day, whatever. You know, just the other day at school, one of my children at school didn't show up, and he was he was treated to uh, ice cream. And he lives in my neighborhood, and I said, not a big deal. I'll bring it to him. He, I know he was looking forward to it. And the secretary in the school says, I know I could trust you on this. You know, you're not going to eat his. You know, I laugh because even the people around me know, the people that I work with know that this is what I do consistently, you know, um, and, you know, that that's a miracle, you know. I, I They know this is what I do and this is how I live. And um, really, really grateful to be here and to be able to share. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. And thank you, Devorah S. And thank you. It is that time to um, close up. Thank you, everyone who has shared. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Charles H., would you please read that for us? Our book is meant to be 
suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to, fa- come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.